Good morning. Generosity. Generosity is the spirit and the action of freely and frequently giving to others. Generosity is a generous act. It is a willingness to help or support others, especially more than usual or is expected. Generosity is a quality that's a lot like unselfishness. Someone showing generosity is happy to give time, money, food, or kindness to people in need. I recently took a vacation home to Newfoundland, and it was so good to see my family and my friends and to laugh together and to spend time together and to get lots and lots of hugs. (laughs) But the two biggest huggers there were Sam and Bo. Yes, just admire them for a second. They are the sweetest things in the whole entire world. Sam is a small dog up in the top. And uh, so I grew up with Sam. He's my parents' dog, and he's 11 and a half years old. And Bo is my brother's dog, and he, my brother Brad's dog, and he is three years old. And they stuck to the sides of Aaron and I as often as they could while we were home. They were so glad that we were there. They constantly wanted to cuddle to play or to have a treat. That's basically what dogs want. And cuddles were especially prevalent during bedtime. And Aaron and I let Bo and Sam sleep with us in a queen bed while we were home. And this led to very cramped conditions sometimes. And this was a scene when I tried to get into bed. As you can see in the corner on the top, there's Aaron's elbow. And in the bottom right, that's Aaron's leg. So. The inside was mine. (laughs) There wasn't a whole lot of room there. These dogs were the opposite of generous at times, especially when they were sleepy. That's when they acted like rag dolls full of bricks. (laughs) And when I did move them a little bit and I tried to sneak into my spot, they would reluctantly get up and you'd hear a... And then they would walk away and lie down at another spot of the bed. And then you still wouldn't have a whole lot of room. Aaron had to turn diagonal in the bed one night because Bo was right where he wanted his feet to be, so he had to turn this way. (laughs) But even though it got tricky at some points, it was so worth it to be able to cuddle these two sooks, especially in the morning. They were also big sooks in the morning, I'll tell you that. The subject I want to talk to you about today is generosity, and specifically, having fullness through generosity. And the scripture I will be reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But first, in this chapter, Paul is reminding the Corinthian Christians that they were enthusiastic about giving to the Jerusalem Christians to help them during their time of poverty. And Paul wanted to make sure that those excited feelings of the Corinthians would not just stay a feeling, but would turn into action. And he wanted to make sure that these new Christians would do what they said they would do and not just think about doing something good for God and for others. He wanted to help them to understand the importance of their word, but also the importance of having a generous spirit. So Paul sent Titus and more of his followers to Corinth so his readers, the Corinthian Christians, could make good on their promises and bless others. 
So you may open your Bibles, if you have them, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, or you can read along on the screen. This is Paul speaking. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. There's a little bit of hint of sarcasm here in Paul's voice. For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred them into action. But I am sending the brothers in order that your boasting, our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians came with me to find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through, your, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, the hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. My first point today is this. Giving generously is a cheerful sacrifice. Yes, I said a cheerful sacrifice, as in not an obligation, not a chore, and not something to complain about. Giving generously means giving what we want to, and giving because we want to, because we know we will, it will help others, and we are excited to do that. And because giving will glorify God and not ourselves or anyone else. And this is important because God is the ultimate cheerful giver, and he delights to give to us. And we must do our best to live like him. It's not difficult to suggest why God delights in a cheerful giver. 
He himself is such a giver and desires to see this characteristic restored among those who were created in his image. So when we give, we must give cheerfully because God gives to us cheerfully and without limitation. We must be glad to give, to be excited and expectant that God will use our generosity towards others for his glory and to build his kingdom. And Paul wanted to make sure that this was the mindset that the Corinthian Christians had when he wrote this letter. Going back to verse 5, Paul says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul wants to make sure we have the right idea of what godly generosity is. Unfortunately, there are many misconceptions about what generosity is. And I want to clear some of that up so we can truly understand what God wants us to do when we do give. Firstly, giving generously is a privilege. It is not an obligation. Have you ever given your time or resources to something or someone because you felt like you had to, not because you wanted to? Or have you given just to make yourself feel better? Or have you given just to appease others or those around you? That's not the right way to give. Giving should be motivated by the purposes of your own heart. It should never be coerced or manipulated. We should give because we want to and because God has put it on our own hearts to give. God wants us to give freely, lovingly, and cheerfully. Have you ever thought about the fact that, a priv- that this is a privilege for us to be able to give? Whatever we have to give was first given to us by God. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase, we are blessed to be a blessing. And what Paul is trying to convey here to the Corinthian Christians is just this. He, Paul, was very concerned that giving be a matter of generosity and not a matter of grudging obligation. God himself never gives out of an attitude of grudging obligation, and neither should we. To be generous in the biblical idea of the word has more to do with our attitude, our attitude in giving than with the amount that we give. So God wants a willing attitude from givers. Next, we must remember that giving generously should be done freely, not grudgingly, like I've briefly mentioned. God does not want our giving to be done grudgingly, which means done reluctantly or regretfully or given with plenty of complaining. And he does not want it to be done out of necessity, meaning given because someone has made us do it or manipulated us into doing it. God wants us to give cheerfully, freely, and with lots of grace. And he also wants us to follow through on our plans to give. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 9 to remind the Corinthian Christians that they wanted to give and they were excited to give. So they should actually take action 
towards giving. Thinking about giving is one thing, but actually doing it is another. Our intentions, vows, and resolutions are useless without action. It was time for the Corinthian Christians to act, and Titus was sent to help them to do this. Our giving should be like God's giving of grace to us, giving freely, generously, because we want to give. When God gives to us out of grace, the motive for his giving is in him, not based on the one who receives. That is how we should give, because the motive of our love and generosity is of God is so big that we simply want and have to give. Finally, we must remember that giving generously should be measured not of quantity, but of sacrifice. Giving generously is not valued by how much you give, but by what you give and the heart you have when you give it. It doesn't matter if it's a lot of time or the resources that you have or a very small amount. As long as you're not giving out of obligation or, or grudgingly, or to give as little as you can in order to, to appease others. Because sometimes you can't give a lot, and yet that is giving a lot on your stance. In Luke chapter 21, there's a story of, a, of rich people and an old widow giving at the temple. And it goes like this. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts in the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty to put in all she had to live on. She gave because she wanted to, because she wanted to honor God and build his church and to show dedication to him. The others gave just to flaunt their wealth. Every Christian should be a giver. Because of small resources, some cannot give much, but it is still important that they give, and that they give with the right kind of heart. My second point today is this. Giving generously is an attribute of God. God loves to give to his children. His generosity has been freely given to us because of his love for us, and he wants to give us grace. And the best gift that he has ever given us is what? Yeah, Jesus, salvation, definitely. God allowed Jesus to come to earth so we could be free from sin's hold and so we could be with God, be God's children for all eternity. Jesus came to earth, showed us how to love God and love others, and then took the weight of our sins on his shoulders on the cross and died so we would not have to. And then he came back to life three days later, signifying that when those who are committed to Jesus die, they will also one day be resurrected and will live forever with God in heaven and the new earth. This was a tremendous amount of generous grace. How hard would it have been for God to allow his son to come down to earth to have needs, to be betrayed, to be hurt and persecuted, and to die. That was God's son up on that cross. And yet he generously allowed Jesus to do all of this, and Jesus freely did it, 
so we could be saved from sin and we would not have to live in it anymore. Praise God, am I right? And all of this was done without any cost to us. This is a free gift. We do not have to give a certain amount of money or time to the church in order to receive this gift. Our works cannot buy us this generous gift. Only by believing in God and what his son Jesus did and living for them will we receive this grace. God is the greatest giver. He gives the gift beyond all description. And we all know it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Think of it this way. When God gives grace, he does not reluctantly open a little finger and maintain a clenched fist full of gifts. I'm going to tell you today that God's hands are nail-pierced and they are open wide. This fountain of grace is always pouring itself out with no limitation on heaven's side at all. God doesn't have a cap on how generous he is to us. He doesn't have a cap on the blessings that he wants to give us. And he wants to freely give them to us without us having to pay anything for it. And here is what we should do in reaction to this gift. Paul says in verse 15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This means that Jesus is a gift and salvation is a gift. We do not earn it. We receive Jesus and we receive salvation exactly as we would receive a gift from anyone. If we earn it, it's not a gift. This means God's indescribable gift should fill us with gratitude. If we really understand and appreciate the indescribable gift that God gives to us, our lives will be saturated with gratitude. How fitting is it that Paul concludes chapters 8 and 9, which both talk about generosity, with a focus on this, his indescribable gift of Jesus. The best motivation for giving is always gratitude for the indescribable gift of God to us. God's indescribable gift is what inspires all true giving. Jesus inspires us to give because of how he gave to us and how to live with fullness of generosity. My third and final point today is this. Giving generously is who we are supposed to be. So I've talked about how giving should be a cheerful sacrifice. That giving may not always be easy, but it needs to come from our heart to honor God and to genuinely love others. And this is an important key feature in living generously. We also understand that giving generously is who God is. He gave us Jesus and provides for us each and every day. So, what do we do with all of this information? Well, we need to live out our lives just as God does, as he would. This is who we are supposed to be, a generous follower of Jesus. 1 John three sixteen to 18 says, By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart 
against him? How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. This is who God called us to be. When we say we're going to give, we need to actually go through with it. And this is what Paul is calling the Corinthian Christians to do throughout this whole chapter. He is calling them to action. So don't just say that you're going to... He didn't want them to just say that they're going to bless the Jerusalem Christians who are in poverty, but that they would actually follow through with the promises that they had made. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Because you see... The devil will let you resolve as much as you like. The more, the better. Just as long as you never carry it out. The tragedy of life so often is not that we have no high impulses, but that we fail to turn them into actions. God did not hold back his gift to us. Yes, he did wait for the perfect time to send Jesus. But when that time came, he did not put it off even for a second. As soon as it was time to give Jesus to the world, he jumped on it. He sprung into action. Our giving must also not be closed-fisted or put off, but our hands must be wide open in order to bless others so they can also see how God is moving in the world and and how he can move in their life also. If our question continues to be, how little can I give and still be pleasing to God, our heart isn't in the right place. Verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this will look different for each and every one of us, and that is okay. We all don't have to give the exact same amount. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 10 to 12 says, And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also had to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable, according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. God does not expect us to give us what we don't have. True Christian giving cannot be measured by the amount. One might give a million dollars and yet not give enough. Another might give one dollar and give with tremendous sacrifice and generosity. True giving is measured by obedience and not by amount. And it's not even measured by money. It can be measured by your love for other people, your actions, like the resources you have to give to other people. It's not just a financial thing. I don't want you guys to walk away thinking, oh, Megan wants us to give more money. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying give to other people in the name of Jesus the way that you can. But we also need to be wise with what we possess and how much we take in for ourselves. And this is important and it can be a really hard pill for all of us to swallow. God judges our giving against what resources we have. However, the issue of what and how we spend is relevant to what we have. 
If we overspend and therefore never have anything to give, we can't excuse it before God by saying, well, I don't have anything to give. God wants us to be cheerful and sacrificial when we give. And that means sometimes sacrificing what we want in order to help someone else who is in need. God could have kept Jesus from us and not allowed him to come to earth to save us. But he cheerfully and sacrificially gave so we could be saved. And sometimes we need to do the same. So instead of using all of our time for our own hobbies or our own work, try to give a helping hand to others. Or instead of spending all the money on things that we think that we need, let's give some money to those who are truly in need. We must learn to live with contentment. When we live and act without contentment, we are trying to fill needs in our lives. When we do stuff, when we buy stuff, when we go places, do this or that, it's filling a need that we have. And it might be to be somebody. It might be to feel secure or cared for. It might be to have excitement and newness in our lives. Most people try to fill these needs with material things, but they can only really be met by a spiritual relationship with God who made us. And this can be so hard, but it's worth it. To sum up today, we need to remember to give cheerfully and sacrificially. To put others before ourselves, just like God did with all of humanity. We need to remember that giving generously is an attribute of God. He did not hold back Jesus from us, and he does not hold back blessings. He wants to freely give, to be generous, and he wants us to do the same. We need to mimic God's actions to give generously without asking for anything in return, to give grace to everyone that we encounter, and to show God's love to them with our actions and our words. I have three challenges for all of us today. First is to change our mindset. When we go to help someone, do not think we have to do it. Think of it as an opportunity and a privilege to help that person whatever way you choose to. Remember that we are blessed to be a blessing. Again, not just financially, but God has given us gifts and talents to be able to help other people in many different ways, even if it's just to give them a ride to the grocery store. Anything. And do not hope to get anything in return. Next, think about one way that God has gave generously to you. Was it your life itself? Was it giving your home your family, or your job? Did he provide for you in some way that you knew could only be God? And number three, how can you be more like God this week? By having fullness through generosity. Think about it right now. Do you know of someone who's in need? Maybe someone just needs a friend. Maybe they need help with a project and you know how to do it. Go out of your way to help a homeless person out on the street. Give your time and your resources in a way that you can be cheerful about it, but also that will stretch you to become more like Jesus. Sam and Bo may not have been the best examples of what generous living is. When they find a comfortable spot, 
They don't want to leave, and they just enjoy it for all it's worth. And it's okay for us to enjoy the comforts of life. However, we must allow ourselves to get out of our comfort zones often in order to give generously to others. And we need to live our lives the way God would live if he was walking on earth right now with much cheerful generosity. Live in fullness of generosity like Jesus would so we can grow his kingdom and help others to understand how generous he is to them also. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for each and every person here. God, I just ask that you um, fill each and every one of us with the desire to be more generous, to give generously with a cheerful sacrifice, to become more like you, dear Jesus. And this would turn into one of our own attributes. When people ask us who we are, we can put generous down on there, generous like Jesus. God, I just ask that you would change lives and you would help us all to become more like you and that your will will be done. Thank you so much, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen.